0: friendship, Um, good friends, experiences of um, being a good friend or there's been a good friend to us, how we've been bad friends or experiences that way. Questions that you guys have in regards to friendships. Can we have friends with the opposite gender or, I don't know, different things like that. Um, But first first question I have is, what is... uh, is there somebody in your life that you would call a great friend and why would you call them a great friend that way? Any of the leaders can jump in. Yes. I think for me it's... Oh, is
1: it on? Okay. There it is. Um, Someone who I just, from the beginning of my life, has always been such a good friend is my mom. Mm. Because I I remember growing up in like kid other kids being like, Oh, I just can't tell my mom anything. Da, da, da. Like what? Mm. You know, um, just because my mom's such a great example of just loving so sacrificially. So moments when I was being selfish and not a good friend, mm. she was always just so loving, ready to listen in the moment when I was repentant, she was there like, Oh yeah, I, I love you and I forgive you and let's just keep going, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah,
0: mm. Nice. D- d- is her... Um, it's not necessarily temperament, but it's just more of like... Some people can come off... I think I can come off very, like, judgmental. Mm. Like, why would you do that? Why would you think that? Like, did you, I'm guessing you never felt that way. So that you that way you felt, like, free to talk to her.
1: Yeah. She's a very, like... If you've gotten to talk to her, she's very gracious. Mm. And... I just think whenever you say something about someone maybe like not totally negative, but like you see someone and you're like, oh, they kind of look a little rough around the edges. Mm -hmm. My mom would be like, I just could see her being like, oh, I bet they're just having a really rough day. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas Mm -hmm. in my mind, I'm like, oh, you know, (laughs) know? and so that's just how growing up where it's just just like so grace. Yeah. Yeah. So much grace.
0: Mm. Oh, there's a microphone in front of them too, so. I was just thinking for me in middle school, like so i was I was not a believer, but um my good friend who was in my who was one of my groomsmen, uh him and his family were just so kind to reach out to me and from middle school uh, orchestra, I know it's a little nerdy or whatever to high school, and then we became roommates in college, and I don't even know how I got into college that way, but we became roommates. It's just like yeah my he was such a good friend because he was. He was consistent. He was there. Um, and yeah, he would not back down in the sense of like sharing the gospel. or like. I remember one time I was starting to go to church, and I missed Easter. I overslept for Easter. I was like, oh, I just missed a Sunday. He's like, you missed a Super Bowl of Sundays. This is like <laughs> not the Sunday to miss. He was me. I was like, oh, I guess it was a big deal. I missed it. My bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was just there and faithful in that regard. Any other good examples of, um, friends in your lives that like? I would
2: say, um, yeah, I, have had the blessing of having a lot of variety of friends in my life. There are believers and non-believers by God's grace who have been very good friends to me. And I think what would Yeah, what would fit the category of all these friendships is the fact that there was mutual love. And these are people who will rejoice when I rejoice and weep when I weep. Like, we could share joys and sorrows together because I think I've also experienced friendships where you can only, like, mope together. You're bonded by your trials, but then, like, they want you to stay in the trials with them. Uh, And then people who can only be with you in the happy times. Like once things get hard they they decide that it's not for them anymore. So I think that's kind of a key thing about good friendships that I've experienced. Uh, I remember, yeah, some some of the some of the people who wept the loudest like at our wedding were some of our good friends Aww. and it was just really, really cute <laughs> to to see how much joy they had over my joy mm. so. Yeah.
0: Would you say, like, one of the key attributes of them being a good friend was also, like, the time that you guys were able to spend together? Or were you guys able to, maybe because it was a distant relationship, just able to connect that other ways? Or there was just, like, pivotal moments and that really bonded that relationship?
2: Yeah. Um, the circ- Yeah. The, the different friendships formed in different circumstances, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we, I've experienced different things with these different friends. Some of them are high school friends. Some of them are college friends. Some of them uh, are friends I met through work, and some are friends that I've met outside of school and uh, in church as well. Um, so yeah.
0: So just curious. Were you like proactively like it's like oh hey I, you're new or I haven't met you? Were you proactively just like reaching out to them, or they was like somewhat mutual? Was it how did it come about? Because you you've met these good friends in different
2: Mm.
0: areas I think
2: there were seasons where I would be the more proactive person and then there were also seasons where uh yeah some of my friends became as close to me as they were because they were the ones who extended Mm. that pursuing grace Mm. towards me Yeah.
3: yeah
0: You can just keep talking here. I think. Yeah, I can speak from a couple different um, perspectives. One, from
4: in terms of marriage, uh, we have friends that we um, just appreciate dearly uh, Brian and Jen, Art and Denise. And, and these are folks that, you know, thinking about biblical friendships, um, when we met them and when we started a friendship with them, it didn't really make sense, right? Um, and they would pour into our lives and share kind of what they've learned through life and, and, um, you know, as a believer, I understand it's kind of what, um, was shared in the friendship podcast. I think it was the one with, actually the first one with Francis and, and Pastor Joshua where, you know, biblical friendships, you know, from the right perspective, it's not about what I can get, what, you know, what I can get, but what I can give and just emphasizing that in light of the gospel and just seeing them do that for us. Has been really sweet, and just them modeling that. Um, And then, secondly, just for me personally, like a brother who's been uh, super faithful is a guy named Greg. He was at Cornerstone for a little while, and uh, we met as unbelievers, and then both became saved. And you know, he is the one. You know, when you think about like Proverbs twenty-seven six, you know, faithful are the wounds of a friend, deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. You know, this is the guy that he'll tell me the hardest things because he loves me. And he says it from, you know, a position of grace, right? Where, like, I know he loves There's no doubt. So whenever he's telling me something, um, even though it's hard to hear, I know he has my best interest in mind. And as a believer, he's trying to point me towards Christ. And so just remembering that because there are so many people uh, in my life um, outside of the church who are going to lavish me with, deceitful lies tell me how wonderful i am and Hmm. things like that that are super untrue so sure check
0: one two um have you guys been able to reflect and sense how you could have been better friends or or um just like oh man that was like a bad friend i shouldn't have (laughs) hung out with them as long as i did um Troublemakers or this, that, and the other. So, so it's like a sort of a. Uh, you can take it how I could have been a better friend, or yeah, I I was in that friendship way too long, one day too many, type of thing. Because I, because I can think about like friendships where. Um a lot of times, it was just more of like, I'm becoming your friend because you have all the answers to the test in your brain, and I want to get those answers, um, and so, let's buddy, buddy, I'll get you a free sandwich at the lunch line, just come to my lunch line or, or whatever it may be, so it was very selfish. It was what I wanted to get from that relationship and not um, wanting to, uh, obviously, I wasn't a Christian, I wasn't looking out for their interests or loving in that sense.
3: So I was definitely selfish. So there was friendship was just what I could get out of the person I was with, even though I liked them and enjoyed them. But certainly the focus was on me. But um, as a Christian, we know that Jesus sums up the law with loving God and loving others, right? And, um, so even as a believer, that can be challenging. Um, we, we learned in church about picking up our cross daily, right? And that's a struggle, right? And when you're dealing with friends, um, it's hard for me to pour myself out totally into them without being concerned about my well-being, right? And so I always have to check myself. Is that Am I doing this because of me and my benefit, or am I being sacrificial, self sacrificial in, in giving to them? So um, uh, that's the biggest challenge for me, and perhaps will always be in terms of my relationships is, you know, am uh, loving, um, I loving them and caring for them as Jesus showed us how to do, and um, more my concern more about myself.
0: Miss Debra, so since we've been married for 11 years, um, you've had some good friends in your lives, and you've also had not good friends, um, or just bad people. <laughs> um, you were Victorian, and so people were gunning after that number one spot. Can you talk a little bit about like some of the, the bad people or bad friends that you had to experience at a, at a private Chinese Christian school? <laughs>
5: Yeah. Um, so it was a very small class. I had like 54 people in my graduating class. So there's not much room to hide. You know, if you're if you're not really cool, like everyone knows. And everyone knew since third grade because it was a K through 12 school. Um, <laughs> Think about that.
0: That's, that's, that's interesting because you go from elementary and then you have middle school. You can like sort of change your identity, right? From Oh, this is what I was like in elementary. And then I change it in middle school because you got a mix of new people. And then you get to change it again to some degree in, in high school, but it was K to 12, and so whatever you were pegged as an elementary person it went all the way to <laughs> senior high school, basically. You got, you got chosen. You, got, you were deemed the cool person or not the cool person at a young age, sort of.
5: <laughs> okay, if there's something specific you want me to talk about, you can ask more <laughs> than any questions, but... Um, yeah, I I definitely made the mistake of caring too much about, like, labels because, um, you know, like, in, I feel like in high school, if you're, like, the nerd, you're the jock, whatever, that's such a big part of your identity, and I really let it um, I, um, become part of my identity, identity too much. Like, even to adulthood, like, I would think of myself as a loser. Like, inherently, like, things I did were not cool, so that, therefore, I will not help with this ministry or this, like, you know, like, I would really... Um, shy away from things where I thought like oh someone else more cool would do better um, and then what else something specific
0: so just people were because some of these people were in your friend group though right and then they were starting to like say things to you or do things
5: yes um, what else um
0: I I was just thinking like more of like it's interesting to think about like how because people can there's a lot of noise out there right not necessarily in your friend group that like oh Will's like this that and the other it's like "Ah, I don't care because that's outside but then when it's inside your friend group they're like saying this type of stuff and that's impacting you and making you think like oh yeah I am not cool or not good at this or loser in this way like Like, I guess, knowing in some sense, sense, like, oh, setting those boundaries, like, reflecting on it now. Like, I wouldn't have, like, spent that much time with this person if they were to continue to treat me this way, type of thing.
5: Um, So I struggle a lot with, like, people, he was talking about himself, like, you know, like, they would hang out with me just to get answers. Um, (laughs) And it was really hard for me to set those boundaries, right? Like, you know, I want to be nice. Um, I wasn't a believer, so it was hard to really know why I was being nice. I was just being nice to that people would like me hmm. um yeah so uh it was hard to know how to deal with people who are not being nice to me but i want to be nice to them hmm. um yeah just so just like understand like, yeah, as a believer now i understand that you know you can be kind and gracious and not have to expect anything re- in return um and i'm not doing it for my own glory I, um but at that time it was hard for me to to deal with that hmm. um And yeah and then as for like friends who were like getting in my head and stuff um I did have an abusive boyfriend at that time who like it was like emotional abuse um so then like who kind of echoed the whole like oh you're not good at this like you're not um good at not good at that and made me kind of go down that route of um feeling more inadequate um yeah so just understanding like biblical truth like what does God say about me? That helped a lot Um, later on, just understand like all this, the stuff that this person was telling me was not true. So I could break free from those thoughts. Mm
0: -hmm. Thanks for sharing.
2: Yeah, um, reflecting to like things that I could have done better in friendships, I like have just countless things I feel like I'm thinking about as well. And there are different things before I became a Christian versus after I became a Christian. Um, I still remember like I have a very vivid memory and just like very good memory so the first day of uh, first grade I think I became really good friends with this little uh, boy who was uh, sitting at the same desk as me and we became really good friends really quickly because we both spoke Cantonese. And it was, like, a really nice friendship up until third grade. And then people, especially the girls in the class, started becoming really mean to me Mm. because I I had a friend, a best friend that was a guy. And, yeah, and then that was, like, really sad because, like, I felt the peer pressure to leave my, like, best friend to fit in with the girls. And... I remember that there was an experience where uh, my friend was being laughed at mm. and I didn't defend him. Mm. And yeah, and then uh, we, uh, he ended up not attending that school anymore at fourth grade. Mm. And that was kind of the end of that friendship. Mm. And it was very sad. Mm. <laughs> I look back all the time, I'm like, wow, i failed as a friend. Mm. Mm. Yeah, mm. but, um, After I became a believer, I think I was able to go back and redeem a lot of those friendships um, that I failed in. In primary school and junior high and high school, and I've had a lot of repeated failures, Um, yeah. But I think one of the things that I felt like I needed to grow the most when I became a believer was just to be genuinely interested in the interests of others. (laughs) And it was hard because I had the cultural difference of just not knowing anything culturally relevant here in the States. Mm. And every other sentence was, wow, you didn't know that? And I'm like, duh, I'm from China. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, it was a process to just um, know that people really care about these things and it's, it's a, a way to love them by being interested and asking more questions and not just tuning out of the conversation because it wasn't relevant to me
1: so
0: that's helpful thanks for sharing that
1: I just was thinking along the lines of like not being a good friend Mm. and then it kind of ties into like the other question as well but I think um before I was saved and even you know after Mm. I was saved I didn't have in my mind a great like what is the purpose of friendship? Like, uh, growing up in a Christian family, like, I'd seen, like, loving others sacrificially demonstrated, but when it came to, like, my own personal friendships, it was definitely driven by, like, okay, but, like, what are you doing for me? Like, um, I don't feel happy when, you know, like, things like that. But I think in high school, I definitely had a really big fear of, like, being alone and not being, like, the cool, cool kid, um... And like feeling like I had to change my personality (laughs) based off of who I was with because I wanted so desperately to have people like me. Mm. Um, And then after I was saved, like just seeing how I kind of abused the friendships in my life because I was so focused on like, I don't want them to not like me. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to make them just want to be my friend all the time. Mm. So in, in turn of having a friendship like that, I failed to be a good friend because I was so anxious about losing them as a friend and trying to be cool. And it would just put all this pressure on them when it's like the purpose of a relation, of that friendship is to glorify God. Mm. You know, that's our purpose. And um, yeah, they're that person... You know, we're both sinners, so they're not all the time going to love me and like me, but, um, I can love them like Christ Mm. loves them, Mm. um, and do it for the glory of God.
0: Mm. That's good. Yeah. I think, I think it's just a reminder, like how we stand before God without Christ as enemies. And we sinned in this many ways. I mean, I'm sure there's countless stories that we can think about, reflect upon how we've um, ultimately hurt God and sinned, but have also hurt other people as well, uh, directly or indirectly because of that. And, and in, in the podcasts that um, the leaders have on the Cornstil website in regards to friendship, um, and also in the book uh, that they're referencing The book's called, The Company We Keep in Search of Biblical Friendship by Jonathan Holmes. Um, He was just emphasizing, he was emphasizing this, I'm just trying to read it. Um, So Jesus stands in our place condemned for our sin, thus paving the way to the Father for all who believe and confess his name. Mankind once hopelessly alienated and separated from God because of sin can now be brought near to God through his perfect son, Jesus. We are stunned to hear that Jesus' words to the disciples in John, chapter fifteen, thirteen through 15, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends. Jesus is saying that to uh, his disciples or to those who believe. If you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, but the, but the servants does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. And he's just talking about how that, like, let that sink in. Like, despite how we were rejected, we were enemies, we were dead. Like God, um, by his grace, called us, and now we are friends with God. And it's like, it's amazing. Like I don't deserve this in any way, like just reflecting all those different things. And because of that, because of the debt that I owe him, um, to love God and then be able to love one another as he's first loved me. And so just being able to think through that, especially in our, um, and are different stages of life in that sense. Um, let's, let's go into this one. Um, can you, or do you have any friends of the opposite gender, and it's completely platonic, just, just friends? Um, can you, do you have friends with the opposite gender is completely platonic? thoughts in regards to that you can say yes no thoughts in the sense of like oh these are things that you should probably consider um no you should only hang out with your gender and they have cooties and this and the other um any thoughts there It's funny because like for me, I grew up. I had two older sisters, so I like talked to my sisters like very comfortable with like the opposite gender, like too much so. Like I was awkward to a point where like I was like, "Oh, I like you." I was like, "Oh, that's like that's very much, that's very forward of you, Will." It's like I don't like you anymore, and so we're gonna sever this friendship and stuff like that. And so I was like, "Oh, hmm." But then obviously, there's like the, like being a, a non-Christian, it was just like selfish because like, oh, it's just my feelings. So, like, oh, I just want to communicate my feelings, and I like you and this that, and the other. Um, But as, yeah, thoughts in regards to friendships, those opposite genders, things to think through there.
1: Yes, I have friends of the opposite gender.
0: What sigh
1: relief. But I think definitely when I was younger, it was like, oh my goodness, I cannot sit next to someone of the opposite of gender. That's just so awkward. Like, mm. oh my goodness, this mm. is so weird. Like, Does I can't even mean that talk we're, like, to you. A thing,
0: or? Like, oh
1: my goodness, don't even look at me. Yeah. You know, where it's just like, I don't even know what I would say. Mm. But then I, like, as I got older, just realizing that it's like, especially as believers if you're both believers Mm. it's like no we're like brother and sister in christ and we're going to spend eternity in heaven together forever praising jesus Mm. together um and so i feel like if you're thinking about it in light of you know who your identity in christ it changes the friendship regardless of you know it's a brother or sister um and it's yeah it's like, it's so cool that this person of the opposite gender oftentimes thinks very differently than you think. Yeah. Um, so in regards to friendship, it's really cool because they can sharpen you in ways that maybe you didn't know you needed to be sharpened or, you know, um, think in ways that you didn't think was a way you could think, you know? So I think it's really helpful and really a blessing, um, yeah, to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, yeah, but that came as I... Got older. Mm. Um, I think as I matured, um, the Lord definitely showed me that it's like, it's so cool to have brothers in Christ. Mm. Um, And that's all it has to be. You know, it doesn't need to be more than that. Um, But when I was in high school, it was like, not possible. You know, like Mm. it was just, it felt weird. Um, just it's because it's not possible from
0: your perspective, from right? my it's not perspective. like your, not like your parents said, like, no, 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 no yeah. friends from, are boys. No,
1: From my perspective, it was cause also where I grew up, there was no one really my age. Mm. So it was like weird, mm. you know, like to have someone my age that was of the opposite gender. I was like, I legitimately like, I don't know how to talk mm. to you. Mm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it was like, it wasn't because someone said you can't, it was because I was immature Mm -hmm. and like didn't have an accurate understanding of even what friendship is.
3: I think uh, you have to be careful. Mm -hmm. So as a a married person, um, you know, how would it look if I went to dinner with a woman who wasn't my wife, Mm. right? What would my wife think? Mm. What would others who looked at that relationship think? even if it was totally, you know, platonic. Um, And even if you went in with innocent intentions, the fact that you're with another woman, things can happen, right? Emotions can get tied into that. And it can go in places that would be ungodly. And so I think you've got to be very careful. in a one-on-one type relationship or friendship. If it's done with, as a married couple, I think that's different. Then I think you could be friends with, with the spouse of, of another man. As long as your wife is involved in that same relationship, then that's, that's different. So I think it's dangerous as a married person, but I think it's also dangerous as a single person. Hmm. So if you're hanging out just with another person of the opposite sex and you think of them just as a friend uh, you got to be careful how do they feel about you do they feel that same way or do they feel like hey we've got some relationship going on here and it can lead to hurt feelings misunderstandings Um, so I'm not saying it can't happen but you just have to be careful sure Um, and then also um, you know, as there, there could be inappropriate relationships in a married uh, man and a woman. Same thing can happen in a in a single person's life as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So I think you've got to be on guard as a Christian to watch your feelings and watch the relationship that you have, and making making sure that it doesn't go in a place that you don't want it to go.
0: Yeah, I, I've noticed, and I'll, I'll feel free to jump in after this too. I noticed like a common denominator when things go haywire is like when that relationship goes like very is isolated like when it's a group setting it's just like there's a lot of like accountability there's this that, and the other but it's just like hey we're just gonna go hang out we're gonna go do this we're gonna go to the movies or like and then it's just like yeah can lead into trouble
3: yeah so I think, like, as a single person, if you've got a bunch of friends, males and females, or guys and girls who hang out together, I think that's 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 good. Yeah. I think that's a good way of having relationships and meeting others. But once it becomes like that one-on-one, I think it, it can go in bad directions. Yeah. yeah. John, what were you going to say?
4: Yeah, no, I, I think you touched on what, what I was going to chime in with, is as a uh, single young, um, you know, man or woman, if, you know, going in with, what you think is the best of intentions and you know that relationship is treated um, uniquely different than your other relationships that should be a sign and mm. so obviously having wisdom just to set set clear boundaries and there's a lot of freedom and you know just even this um, you know this type of format is, is such a blessing and there's beauty to be able to just um, interact um, with, with others but once it starts yeah, it starts, you know, it starts looking uniquely different and maybe even feelings feel a little bit different. Mm. Those are signs. And so I think though there's freedom, a lot of accountability, a lot of wisdom in bringing in others as well. Yeah. Um, just, just to keep you safe and, and hedging yourself against uh, some of the warnings that uh, you both talked about. I think... Oh. <clears throat> yeah,
1: uh,
2: I think what I'm hearing from everyone is that there is danger and there is blessing, so have wisdom, right? So, yeah, it, it, I, I totally agree that um, for most situations, an isolated relationship with an opposite gender can can become inappropriate. Um, yeah, so I'm a high advocate, though, for opposite gender friends.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah that, that, because...
2: That's Yeah, and it will look different depending on whether you're single or you're married. As, like, a single person, there is a lot more um, freedom in the things that you can talk about. But as a married person, um, my assumption is uh, I will, well, like, the rule that I think me and Clifton go by is that we don't talk about, uh, you know, our conflicts and our problems with an opposite gender friend alone, like that's just not going to happen. there's no scenario where that's appropriate. Um, I'm not going to go first to my opposite gender friend to talk about a situation before talking to my husband you know
1: yeah.
2: uh, and I also with any opposite gender friend, uh, I would assume that they have an interest in also befriending my husband like i I don't think it is appropriate if um, you have someone you're dating or someone you're married with or engaged with, uh, that an opposite-gender friend approaches you and only you Mm -hmm. and not your partner. Mm -hmm. Um, That would indicate that there's ulterior motives, (laughs) (laughs) oftentimes. Um, Yeah, and I think a lot of our... Really good opposite gender friends for both me and Clifton is because we have a single friend mm. and then they end up in a relationship mm. and then we because we love and care for our friend we love and care for the person they most love and care mm. for mm. so that just happens very naturally in that con yeah in that context and I just think it's a healthy thing to befriend families mm. not just individuals mm. um, yeah and even with um Yeah, I I think it's just sometimes because of also the cultural context that we have uh, here in the media and the things that are promoted, where in almost every TV show, the only opposite gender relationships that matter are romantic ones. Mm -hmm. Like that affects the way that we think about Mm -hmm. the opposite gender too, Mm -hmm. where if everything's overly romanticized and sexualized, every... I said the ass word (laughs) but yeah like the um sometimes it can create this thing where you're romanticizing gestures that are not very much
1: romantic Mm.
2: or you're so desensitized that you're behaving inappropriately Mm. when uh, because you don't see that as inappropriate so both sides are are kind of shaky grounds Mm. um and I think what really needs to happen is just to go back to the bible and talk about like what is brotherhood and sisterhood and probably a lot of you guys have an easier time uh thinking about that because you guys have siblings yeah and yeah so
0: one thing i was thinking about is what are helpful things as a brother that from a sister's perspective that you can share with a brother like hey um you can approach, like, I guess sometimes it's just, like, you're not coached. You're not, like, um, you, you just don't know how to, you're already feeling that this is awkward. This is, like, not normal. I just normally hang out with my guys. And so, like, you're telling me to hang out with sisters and girls. And, <laughs> and it's not going to happen naturally in that sense, right? So are there any, like, um, for lack of a better word, tips or thoughts in the sense of, like, hey, you can just ask about this. He's like, hey, how was your week? Or I heard you were sharing about work. Or hey, that was a great message. You know, like a lot of um, really like great, insightful conversations I've had uh, spiritually is like what, like a mix of brothers and sisters in that conversation. It's like, oh, I never saw it from that POV, that perspective. It's like, oh, that was very encouraging. I need to like reflect on that, uh, meditate on that, and 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 um, so. I guess my question was more of, like, any thoughts tips-wise, or even from guys to girls in that sense? Like, hey, you it shouldn't it doesn't necessarily need to be that awkward. I know it might feel that way because you're not used to it. But uh, thoughts there in the sense of, like, things you can think about.
2: I think there's just a lot of topics that are not gender-specific, you know? Like, how do you resolve conflict? How do you grow? What are you learning? Uh, how can I be praying for you? Those are questions that you can, like, it it doesn't have a label of this is a guy question. Sure. It's a girl question.
1: Sure.
2: Um, And, yeah, it goes into, like, the taking interest in what the other person is interested in. Because, you know, if you're, like, a a working dad and the person that you're talking to at church, maybe, like, after a service, is a a homeschooling mom, like, ask about homeschooling. Mm. Like, how does does that work? Mm. Uh, And, like, yeah, and... (laughs) I, I, yeah, there's just a lot of things, um, Mm. like, how how do you, or if you're going to take care of your kid for a weekend where your wife is gone, like you you could get your wife into a conversation, what are simple meals, you Mm. know, like stuff Mm. like that. But, uh, if you're single and obviously all of you guys are, so (laughs) that's, uh, um, yeah. Someone's someone's married that I didn't know about (laughs) So like, yeah, you guys talk about school, talk about evangelism, talk about like witnessing to friends, talk Mm. about like, how do, how do we grow in Christ and, or how do, how do we um, maintain a witness when there's a hard situation? Those are not questions that, you know, you necessarily just ask the same questions that you would ask your same gender friend,
0: Mm.
5: Mm. right?
2: Um, A lot of these aren't aren't so surprising, I guys. don't think. I think sometimes we think a little too hard mm-hmm. in like, oh, girl must talk about, I don't know, bracelets, something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so
1: like, yeah, people can get very weird about that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, so. Be a little thoughtful. Cambria, looks yeah. like you get
1: something. I just, something for the girls to think about too, if mm. guys, just because I think it's not helpful, is that like, stop overthinking it.
3: Hmm. I you mean, th- wish but-
1: someone had told me that. Or it's, like, just because a guy, a friend, wants, is just coming up and talking to you about your life, like, it's a friend coming and talking to you about your life. And it doesn't need to be more than that. Mm,
4: don't read um, into it, type of thing. Yeah,
1: don't read into it and don't, like, think about it all the time because it's, like, it's a friend coming to talk to you about your life. Um, especially, like, right now. And then for guys, like, I think it's, it's fun if, like, if it feels funny to go by yourself, like, maybe don't go by yourself and talk Mm -hmm. to a girl. Like Mm. maybe make it a group thing, like a couple of you, let's go talk to these three girls over there, three of you like go hang out with it and just talk about, like Ashley was saying, just like life, you know? Um, Life on life, encouraging one another. Um, Because a lot of you are all experiencing the same um, seasons of life, especially in school, and you can help one another. Um, Yeah, and you can do it in group settings and that's sometimes easier to talk when there's, like, opposite gender. Right. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: I, was saying that, I, I was thinking that, too. Like, it goes both ways. Like, in order to normalize something, we normalize it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: De- yeah. Deborah, you're going to share?
2: Yeah, um, just some thoughts. Like, I
5: was one of those people I didn't really like talking to guys, just because it's so much easy, easier to stick with people I'm comfortable and familiar with. And then one time someone pointed out to me that I'm, like, excluding half the body. It's like, I have all these other believers that you're not fellowshipping with. So that was something good to think about. Um, and I think one, um, one thing I consider when I'm uh, uh, entering a conversation is, like, oh, what is, like, something that they're going through I can ask about? Like, oh, how was school today? How was your AP test? Like, something that is not, like, super personal and, you know, like I'm share with someone, my, my best friend. Like you kind of know a little bit about what they're, they're doing with their life and you just kind of ask, how did that go? Or like a common experience, like, oh, remember that elbow tag game? How did you like that? Or, you know, like um, something that you were all in the same place together that you could talk about.
0: Common denominators? Yes. I realized, too, as a person who who likes to be asked questions, I need to be prepared <laughs> to answer. And so I like, oh, I don't know. This week was fine. It was just another week type of thing. Or unless it was a specific person who's asking me. He's like, oh, yeah, well, this, that, and the other. It's like I should have that same energy to whomever it is or just be prepared. Because um, I feel bad. Like sometimes there are people would t- come to me at church and like, oh, how's your week? I was like, it's just a fog. It's just like... <laughs> And so it's like if you want to be able to serve somebody who wants to talk or build a relationship and is asking who's already proactively reaching out, it's like be prepared, you know, just like just review your calendar or make some notes. I did this, I did that. This may have been hard, maybe we don't share that, you know. Um, yeah.
2: probably one thing that would also just be helpful is just normalizing friendliness and loving kindness. So mm. like if you're doing this to everyone. Yeah. Nobody's going to think just because like, you know, you're you're you, no nobody's going to think that you're interested in someone just mm. because you're behaving the same way that you're behaving to everyone else.
1: Mm.
2: Right? But if you are someone who just like doesn't show friendliness and loving kindness to people who are not like you, then uh obviously people are going to look at the way that you're treating a particular person as special treatment, right? Um, and even extending like the opposite-gender friendship, don't just think about peers. Think about people older than you, younger mm-hmm. than you. Like, no one's gonna think anything, like if you're approaching someone's grandma, you know, mm-hmm. and having a conversation. Right. Like, that's not gonna be controversial. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so I think just broaden even the scope of opposite-gender friendships and what they should look like, um, too, yeah, so. Because I mean, yeah, most most of like uh, Clifton's interaction with like opposite gender friends at CBC are, are going to be people in a different season mm. than him, right. uh, than us. Right. So yeah, so that's also. Um, a process to normalize.
0: I think that that's why it's so cool to like have like friend like friend groups with you because it's like, hey bro, I see you like wanting to talk to that person like all the time. You know, it's like there's like all these jabs, right? And that's just more of like, oh, hey, I, I guess I am talking to this person all the time. Uh, and so it's just more of like, hey, I should be more friendly to everybody else. I did. It's like a blind spot, or it could be intentional, one or the other. Um, but it's just more of like being able to have good friends that are able to point those things out and call, call those out in those ways. Um, I know we only have a few more minutes left, but we can keep going. Any questions that you guys are thinking about? Any questions? Frank? Cool. Use eraser. Any other questions in regards to, um, the friendships things? Yes, Margot. Have you ever had to end a friendship for a good reason? Is that right? Okay. Any thoughts in regards to that, John?
4: Yeah, I mean, um, it's its home because I think pre-Christ, you know, I um, was definitely living in sin. And so I didn't intentionally say I'm going to end these friendships, but naturally, you know, um, you know, with the Lord saving me and giving me new affections, it just kind of went away. But that also created this um, desperation for them, like realizing, like, I didn't deserve to be saved and I was in the same situation essentially as you know a group of friends and so it created an opportunity and you know the Lord worked in my heart to go back and say hey you know and share the good news so um there were some that you know kind of uh took the uh took took the request you know of of reconnecting and others that didn't but that's a great question
1: Yeah, cool. So, like,
5: thinking back off of that, how do you like kind of balance between like a friend who
4: could be like a bad influence on you, but you also want to like be like a good influence? on them?
0: So the question is, how do you uh, balance, harmonize, like witnessing to an unbeliever versus like their influence on you and the impact that 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 may have, right? Mm -hmm. How do you how do you guys think through that?
1: I've been thinking about this a lot Mm. Um, because I think that I was I had several friendships where I just I didn't realize how the how they were badly influencing me until it had been like a long time and then there's habits that had built up in my life based off of that influence and obviously I have a responsibility to um, repent of that Um, and you know pursue godliness and but I think with like my dad always says, like, ever since we were little, if you're standing on top of a table and you're the only person up there, what's easier to do? You pull them up onto the table with you or for them to pull you off? It's, normally, it's easier for it to be pulled off. Um, but if there's three, four of you on the table and you're all like-minded, What's easier to do, pull one person up onto the table or have that one person pull all four of you off at the same time? Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think with that, one thing is, like, really be... It's so helpful that Clifton went through the church series is because there is a blessing of the church um, and, like, the fellowship of the body of people who are, like, minded with you. Um, So just one thing is, like, really surrounding yourself with people who are good influences Mm -hmm. and who can go wit- and, like, witness to this person alongside you um, and hold you accountable in that friendship too um, because, you know, we obviously would want to see the, that person saved or even if they are saved to grow, um, yeah, and pursue godliness.
0: That was Caitlin and John. Um, yeah, and I
1: think that also you don't have to be best friends with them to be a witness. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes also the people you surround yourself with is a witness to them, like who you're choosing to hang out with. I think that can also... Yeah, that alone. And even ending a friendship, although painful, might end up later being helpful to them,
4: too. I think um, just for some practical advice. If there are those situations where you have somebody who you, your heart really yearns for and they're an unbeliever, it's bringing in the church, right? Um, you know, for me, anytime I reengage with um, unbelieving friends, either from my past You know regularly sharing with my small group hey i'm gonna go meet with this person can you pray for them so that in itself is a a blessing um but if similar to how i answered the the first question if i am not sharing this relationship and i'm continuing to be in this friendship and for some reason I, i i feel awkward about sharing about this relationship that tells me hmm yeah, that. that I, I, why am I hesitating to do so? If I really care for this soul and I want them to be saved, I want as many prayers as possible for this person as well. So, mm. so
0: understanding your intention. Right? Yeah,
4: and just having that accountability, like, hey, how'd it go? Yeah. And, you know, what did you do when you met? You know, met up and things like that.
0: Uh, I'll get to you, Ashley, too. But like selfishly, you're just like, oh, I might want to participate in this. This seems yeah. interesting. It seems harmless. It's I'm like going to the club air with them. <laughs> I'm going to witness. Yeah, gonna, yeah. But yeah, exactly. Could be something else. The other intentions tied to it, Ashley.
2: Mm, yeah um I'm just thinking also yeah um to answer back to what Margot was asking how do you know when to end a friendship I think uh when we love others we do what is best for them so if you feel that a friend is using it you for the purpose or your relationship for the purpose of sin you know there's manipulation that happens within friendships too kind of like like old school will try to sneak, sneak off of other people's answers. Like, if someone's doing that uh, to me at school, and uh, you know that their friendship with you is just to sneak answers off of you, then you are ending was pretty the sly friendship though, you for...
1: Know?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, like, if you can sense that that's the reason why they are friends with you, you ending that friendship is a way of restricting their sin. Mm. Um, mm. And that's appropriate as well. Um, but yeah, um... I, I was sorry, Kayla. Your your question was like uh, the balance
0: between like witnessing and then like also yes. having them in your life.
2: Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, balance. Yeah. I think what's really important is that we know ourselves and our own temptations too. If you're someone who struggles with gossip, uh, or like you know, if if I struggled with alcohol, it wouldn't be wise for me to hang out with someone who is a drunkard, you know, Mm -hmm. or who is a gossip and all of that stuff. Um, And I think you also need what they were saying about the church to uh, consistently go back and be like, do you think this friendship is affecting me? Uh, Do you see changes in me because I am hanging out with this person? Um, Is my language changing? Mm -hmm. Like, how how much influence am I allowing this person to have on me? So having that kind of accountability um, is important. Kind of choose your unbelieving friends wisely.
0: Sorry to cut you off, but the presumption is that you have a group of people that Mm -hmm. you can share or you can check in with and keep accountable. But, like, that's a presumption. (laughs) Like, you have that group of people that you can rely on, and they can rely on you. But Mm -hmm. I also know, John, you had
3: something to share. I was just going to say uh, that the purpose of friendships is to glorify God. And so I think that's the question. Is this relationship glorifying God? In other words, am I introducing Christ to them or are they dragging me into sin? And then the answer becomes pretty clear, right? Because if they're dragging you into sin, that's not glorifying God and you need to get out. But if you feel like you're shining a light into darkness, then that's God-glorifying, and you should pursue that relationship.
0: But there's wisdom there, too, in the sense of, like, of don't be so proud to think that you can just—I I single-handedly can convert this person <laughs> because of my—how much um, uh, persuasion. Uh, persuasion, evangelism, presuppositional apologetics that I know, stuff like that. It's like, I got it. I can do it.
1: I think maybe something helpful to ask yourself if you feel like you don't have, you know, like that presumption, you don't have a lot of people you feel like that can hold you accountable is like where are you finding your satisfaction? Like how hard would it be to lose this friend? Mm-hmm. I think because um, if it's like, no, I can't. I can't lose this friend. That's probably That might be a problem um, because Jesus should be more precious mm-hmm. to you. Than even this friend, and Jesus being more precious to you means you love this friend enough to see them love Jesus too, and sometimes that means that you, like what they were saying, is that that means restricting the friendship and being willing to lose that friendship because you love them and because you are hoping, you know, for that future reconciliation too. That's good. Uh, yes, Elliot.
0: Conflict resolution um, for, in general, for guys, same same gender or opposite gender. Uh, uh, okay, yeah, conflict resolution. Any tips, thoughts, things that you guys done well, things that you've done bad? <laughs> I think for me, in regards to conflict resolution, it's oftentimes, like, I want to get it off my chest. You're You're irritating me. You're doing this to me. Like, I don't like this. You got to stop that that's why I'm confronting you with this conflict type of thing. Um, yeah, so it's very, like, me-driven. me, me driven. John?
3: Uh,
0: <clears throat>
4: um, I think to start, um, again, just a very practical tip is always starting with myself. Like, what is my part in the conflict? Because mm. that you can, you know, and you can, can control, right? You don't know the other person, you know, why they did something or, you know, their intentions or anything else. So understanding that it's not a right or wrong issue, like what's my part in it? And what do I need to go to the Lord with first before I do anything else? Because until that's resolved, like there's unrepentance there on your part as well. If there's a sin issue, if there isn't, it's still like what part in the conflict can I control, right? Um, My attitude or whatever it is. So uh, yeah, I just think general rule of thumb, just like starting with self.
2: I think I was just thinking that, um, yeah, conflict resolution is more straightforward if you have a soft heart uh, and people think that they can come to you with their um, problems Mm -hmm. (laughs) relating Mm. to you because they know that you're not going to retaliate. So that's going to make the process of conflict resolution more simple because people aren't afraid to come to you And when they come to you, they know that the relationship isn't gonna be broken. Mm. But if there's a pattern of hard-heartedness in receiving these types of conversations Mm. and also dealing with these conversations, then uh, yeah, there's good reason for people to believe they can't come to you with those things. Um, Yeah, so. Yeah, I think my experiences with conflict resolution were straightforward. Usually, um, I, I've had a friend who uh, had a eating disorder, and I didn't know about her struggles. But so I kept on, like, saying, like, you're eating too little. You're eating too little and all of that. Well, meanwhile, she was trying her hardest to take in as much food as possible. And it was finally it kind of came a day where she told me Mm -hmm. about her struggles and how it was hurtful for me to continue to encourage her to like do more when she feels like she's already Mm -hmm. trying so hard Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and yeah it was just like a good uh, reminder that I need to know more context before uh, speaking into other people's lives, yeah. and the, yeah. But
0: at the same time, there too, right? Like just from a third party, it's just like, oh, she could have like been sharing. A, maybe, maybe I don't know the relationship in that sense, but which it's just is like.
2: yeah, which is probably why I'm saying if I come across as someone who mm. is hard to talk about mm. those types of things, or would judge her if I, if she came to me with her problems, then maybe that is why she came so late to me to talk about those problems. So that's.
3: John? some of you may be like me and you don't like conflict and if conflict comes up you, your immediate instinct is to walk away or to back away I would encourage you not to do that and learn to fight the instinct of running away from conflict um, because the conflict just because you don't discuss it doesn't mean it goes away <laughs> the conflict is still there um now, there are, there are times when I think you do need to walk away and, and get yourself right, but don't think it just goes away. You're gonna have to come back and address it, maybe when you're of sounder of sounder mind or emotion. Um, but speak the truth in love, mm. uh, seek reconciliation, um, but resist the temptation of just ignoring conflict and, and uh, thinking that everything's gonna be all right. After you leave it.
0: Yeah. So like ignoring just like, oh, I'm going to get away from this relationship because this is getting yeah awkward in a different sense. Like it's confrontational in that sense. I think, too, from my perspective, I use the word a lot, so it has to be somewhat defined. But it's like there's not that many things that are that big of a deal. I use the word big deal a lot. That's not that big of a deal. But that, that could be from my perspective, too. right? Or like just objectively look at the situation. Oh, someone took that last... Otter pop that I really wanted. I wanted grape and they knew it and they took it and now it's on. You did it because you wanted to hurt me. It's like, like man, maybe they really wanted it. Or just that and the others? It's, it's like, a lot, a lot of times, it's like talking to self. It's like, okay, die to self here. Not that, not that important. I can sacrifice and love in that way. If they want to hurt me, all right, I bring it up to God. I can talk to my father about it, you know, and uh, process it that way.
2: Yeah. I was just thinking of like love covering multitude of sins. Mm -hmm. Like, I I mean, uh, yeah, there are, there are a lot of things if it's rooted within our own heart is the conflicts coming from, from ourselves. We can always think like, can I think better about the situation? Mm -hmm. Like, is there a good way, a positive way of looking at the Mm -hmm. situation Mm -hmm. rather than uh, letting bitterness well up in our hearts Mm -hmm. and because of something that's really just our assumption and not the reality. Right.
0: I think there's also the whole um, tendency of like just being way too passive. It's like, I don't care about anything then. Like there's the other pendulum. (laughs) It's like, fine. You want to take that grape? You want to take the whole water pop? You want to take all the ice creams? I don't care anymore. Like I don't like ice cream anyway. Or it's it's just like you can have opinions. You can have the um, things that you like and people can step on your toes but you can still process and work through that. It's not like you're emotionless in that regard. Final questions, thoughts. Yes, or Eden and then Cam. Eden? Oh, Cam, you can go first, Eden, then. Great question. So if the question is, if you notice something in your brother or sister that's habitual, is it your responsibility to talk to them about it, rebuke them, yeah. or should you... Sin. Sin. sin, yeah, sin, sin in general, yeah. or spin, sin specifically. And uh, is your responsibility to talk to them about it, or is it more of like you sort of not not talking to them about it, or approaching them about it? And if one or the other, what's the best way to go about that?
4: I just want to make sure I understood the question because <clears throat> you referenced brother and sister, but then I thought I heard you say unbeliever as well. Oh, believe, believe. oh believer. believer. Uh, yes? <laughs> Short answer, I mean, yeah, Matthew 18, I mean, yeah, we do have the responsibility um, to confront, you know, a brother or sister in sin, and uh, there's a lot of wisdom in how we uh, approach that. And you know, um, thank God that He's given us kind of a, uh, a pathway. But it looks different, so I think just getting a multitude of counselors would mm. be wise in that sense if you don't know exactly what to do. Uh, but to answer the the main point of the question is it is it our responsibility if we know that somebody's in sin to lovingly address it absolutely i think from my
0: perspective too it's like sometimes it's pretty gray it's like like if it's a bla- like you're saying general sin or maybe a specific sin but it's just like oh huh like before, like, in our college days, like, um, no dancing, no uh, watching movies. Like, there's certain things that were, like, sort of, it's not in the Bible, but it was, like, wisdom in the sense of don't do this. Yeah. This is so, so I guess my point in bringing that up is there's, there's areas where it's going to be gray that you don't know if that's actually sin or not. But it could be an opportunity for you to, like, hey, I noticed that you've been going to, um, I don't know, X, Y, and Z. And it's like... But I'm curious, why? Why are you going to those things? That seems like not the best. Or Just, just asking, just being inquisitive, right? Get, gathering data in that sense. And then going from there.
2: Yeah, and another probably more of a wisdom thing <laughs> as well is... Um, are you the best person to do it? Because if you're, if you never talk to this person, all you did was like witness three times him slamming the door angrily, you know. And then all of a sudden you're like, I see a habitual sin in you, uh, and that's the first conversation to you, you like first legitimate conversation you have with this person. Maybe the the best idea is like try to find someone that you think knows that person better, that you also know well to ask, like, I am observing this thing. Do you see the same thing? Like, I need my thoughts to be examined uh, before I, you know, make it more than what it is. Um, In and that if private
0: I'm, conversation, right? Not necessarily like, hey, I noticed that. Hey, everybody, look, this person <laughs> slams the door all the time. Do you see that too? Anybody? Yeah, you do. Yeah. They're, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, And if you're uncertain, like there's always uh, people in the church, maybe like approach a youth leader and something like that, um, that would have more of a direction or maybe know the person better to deal with the the situation more wisely. But yeah.
0: Eden, maybe last question. Mm. So the question is, what do you do if you have a brother or sister who has, um, like a, for example, eating disorder? A problem similar to that, how do you go about that or approach that relationship? Or just like, um, you know they have an eating disorder or something like that, how do you work with that relationship in that sense? Mm-hmm. Do you just avoid it? Do you address it? Do you confront it? Mm.
1: So is it like you have a friend who they could be doing something that's harmful to them? So what do you do? Okay. Yeah, uh, that's a better way to sum Yeah, up. Um, yeah. I think get wise counsel um, because, you know, even for me, I have situations where I'm my mind is so small. Um, And I need people who are wiser than me, um, who have experienced a lot more of life than I have um, and have had those friendships before. Um, Because part of loving that person is not letting them stay that way and harm themselves as you want to see them get past that. So just finding someone who's wiser than you to help you um, know how to do that because it's probably not something you can do alone.
0: That's good. And I mean, if you guys have other questions too, feel free to talk to us, Clifton. Um, yeah, I'm sure he, Clifton would love that. Ashley, did you want to finish?
2: Yeah, I think like one of the things that we need to do is just pray fiercely for them as well. I think that's also one of the things I feel I need to continually grow in is just be reminded to pray for my friends, especially those who are struggling, especially those who are non-believing. Um, and sometimes that could be more productive <laughs> than mm. all the things that we're trying to do to fix the situation. Uh, oftentimes it is. Mm. So, yeah. And invite others to pray alongside you.
0: Yeah. With that, Ashley, do you mind closing us out in the word of prayer? and yeah. we can conclude this time. Thank
2: you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that we get to come together and just reflect on the gift of friendship, Lord. You have given us a community to walk this life with, and you will give us uh, this community for eternity, Lord. And we know that um, you have created a church for a reason, that we are different people becoming one body in Christ for a reason. And Lord, let us... um, just use this means of grace, uh, rely on it, and know your goodness through it, Lord. Uh, and I pray that we will all grow in being better friends ourselves and seek to prefer others and love others and care for others. Let love cover a multitude of sins uh, in our friendships uh, and seek to be better friends to others than uh, we want to um, other others to be for us, Lord. Um, and I pray that we will continue to grow in love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.